If you have been doubting that financial freedom is within your reach, learn why it's actually doable for you. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Jen Hemphill, your host. I'm so thrilled that you are joining us today. Being financially free is something many want to have, but also something that many of us think it's out of reach. However, in today's episode, you will learn how you can achieve a level of financial freedom regardless of your circumstances and exactly what this means. Let me share with you a little bit about our guest. Cindy Suniga Sanchez Esquire is a money coach, speaker, and founder of Zero Based Budget Coaching LLC. She is committed to helping millennial women, particularly women of color, create a realistic money plan to achieve financial freedom. Let's go meet Cindy. Benita, I'm so thrilled to have you here. I know you've been on the podcast more when we were doing some panel discussions. So welcome back. I'm so thrilled to have you here and just get to know you personally and an exciting announcement as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for you know inviting me again. Always a good time. Uh, obviously love your podcast, love your energy. And yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Thank you. Well, we always start off because actually, I don't think I know this part about you because in those panel interviews, we didn't get into this. But take us back in time, Cindy, to whether it's to your childhood or maybe your teenage years, whatever that was, sometime in your upbringing, and share with us some experiences or some lessons that you had around money that have really impacted you to this day. Yeah, I think, you know, growing up, as a daughter of immigrants, I think that we're unfortunately talking about money is seen as very rude and kind of taboo. But it's interesting how I don't think we can really pinpoint parts of our childhood where money was not important, right? It's like it was always important. And it was always like the little things, like the going to the supermarket and knowing that I can't just grab what I want. Like I'm a 90s kid when all those like snacks were like heavily marketed to us. Those like really cool, like sugar filled, trans fat filled snacks were marketed to us. And I just knew that I couldn't just go to the supermarket and just pick out what I wanted because my mom had a set budget, which I didn't know that's what it was called. Right. But like she had a set amount of money that we could get from. But when I think of the actual biggest lessons, which is ironic enough, if you know my story from my parents specifically is that my parents were very against debt, like very, like from a little girl, really, they were very anti 
consumer debt, like credit card debt, you know, they found it very kind of quite shocking that in the United States, credit was extended so easily to people and credit in the amounts that it was extended and that a lot of people would use credit, not all the time, of course, but a lot of times they would use it to just buy things that they wanted versus things that they needed. And that was just such a foreign concept to them, especially, you know, coming from Ecuador and Honduras, where like that just wasn't really done. And it's little things like balancing being a mindful spender, balancing that because we didn't have much by way of resources, as well as the money lessons on being very careful with what you actually borrow, because my parents were pretty against debt from the get. But their biggest exception, of course, no surprise was student loans. Mm. You know, that was the biggest exception. But yeah, I think a lot of the money lessons from my childhood really kind of revolve around, I guess, those kinds of principles, not really much on like investing or anything like that, because that wasn't really something we thought about even. I mean, to be honest with you, it wasn't something we thought we had access to. Or that it was even a possibility. I mean, when I think growing up in Colombia, I think some jobs and like here, they had pension plans. Yeah. But then it was certain jobs. So you had to have that accessibility to that job with that pension plan. But outside of that, that was for my family, just it wasn't a thing. Even with my dad being un Americano, and it wasn't until we came to the States and started over. But yeah, it's just not a thing unless you, I mean, I think for us, I'm sure you see it too, is real estate. Like real estate is the investing for the future, right? Yes, that's what my dad loves. Oh my gosh, I kid you not, Jen. Like I will be with my dad and he'll be like, Cindy, ¿cuándo va a comprar casa? Like, Cindy, when are you going to buy a house? And I'm like, Dad, not right now. Do you see these interest rates? Do you see the price of a house in New York City? Like, do you understand what you are asking of me right now? Are they in New York City? Yeah, my parents, they've lived in the same apartment in the Bronx since they got married nearly 50 years ago. That's where we were born and raised. And that's the place I call home. And I understand where my dad is coming from, right? Because I feel like in Latino households, real estate is something you can see. You understand it. It's like, okay, if I buy this object, the value of it should appreciate over time. And I will be able to benefit from that increase in value. Versus the stock market is something that's like, es para los blanquitos. That's for like white people. That's for like American, like, you know, quote unquote Americans, even though I'm an American, right? But like, mm-hmm. you know, that's not for us. It's not meant for our community. And I think that obviously over the past few years where my parents have been able to understand more of the work that I do and really promoting financial literacy, now they understand more of the importance of investing in the stock market. And so I think now they're less about, oh, you necessarily need to buy piece of real estate and more like just kind of supporting what it is that I'm doing with my own journey at the moment. In my experience with real estate and being a military spouse is just we've bought houses in the past and it just wasn't a good experience. So I think we just have to find the time that it is for us. And so for my mom, it's like the same thing. ¿Cuándo vas a comprar una casa? It's like for her, it's more establishing those roots, mm-hmm. right? It's like stability ability in a sense like settling down like yeah yeah yeah. even though we're military we'll eventually settle down yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> not right now, though. Not right now. Not right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Cindy, your background is law. Yes. But over the past years, you immersed yourself in the world of personal finance. And that's how I came to know you with your yeah. Instagram account. What led to this? Tell us. You know, what led to it, honestly, was my debt. <laughs> so I graduated law school with over $200,000 of debt. And I always like to state at the outset, I did graduate law school with a well-paid job offer on the table. So I started my career as a corporate attorney. I started working at a large law firm in the heart of New York City. And of course, that came with a high salary. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was a high salary. It's just that I, one, I had never seen that kind of money in my life. And two, I had never thought about, well, how would one pay $200,000 of debt. So it was really like, I was at this moment, you know, I was 26 years old, right out of law school where I was trying to figure out like, okay, I know this is a lot of money. I know I need to manage it correctly. And I know I have a lot of debt and I need to pay that off, but I don't know how to do this. And despite the fancy law degree, right? Like that didn't matter at that moment. I really, like, I like to say, I needed to become a student again. And that's exactly what I did. And I started diving myself in the world of personal finance. I started learning from people from books, from podcasts. Ideally, you know, what I was looking for was women of color. And I'm so happy that I found a few, you know, not a lot, like from the outset, Latinas, Black women, Asian women. And the reason why it was so important for me is because I wanted to learn from women that could relate to my life experience, you know, and, and that I can learn from in that way. So I started learning from this group, what you included, especially from my early days of when I started my Instagram account. And I started this Instagram account where I was documenting my journey to debt freedom because that was my main goal at, at the time, but also to just share what I was learning. Like I didn't want to just pour the information. I wanted to share it with, you know, la comunidad, my community with the people, like my loved ones, right? Like not just like strangers on the internet, but like I wanted to share it with friends and family too. And from there very unintentionally, a business was born because people started reaching out to me. People started asking questions. And I started my coaching business really just because I wanted to help people with their budget, with their debt payoff plan. I wanted to support them in that way. And that's really how it started, like sort of by accident. It was a learning experience. And I started coaching like on the weekends, you know, really whenever I had time. And my community grew. It grew pretty quickly. And eventually I started getting hired to do speaking engagements and working with brands, etc. And there came a moment, you know, last year in 2021, where I was like, you know what, I, with everything that happened with the pandemic, maybe I should try to pursue this, you know, like maybe I can take a break from law because I love my career and I had a great experience, but I think a lot of times we're taught you need to follow this linear path and I wanted to challenge it and challenge myself. And so in May of last year, 2021, I left my job as an attorney and I decided to pursue my business full time. And that's what I've been doing, you know, for the past year and four months is I've been working on my business full time and it's definitely been a labor of love with so many challenges. But at the end of the day, my mission is to help millennial women of color 
pursue and achieve financial freedom. And I'm happy that I've been able to honor that mission. And since you've left your job of being a lawyer, have you been kind of sometimes like, well, maybe I should get back into law or you're like, no, I'm going to stick to this, what I've been doing with personal finance. Nearly every week. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I was curious. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Like at least once a week, I will think to myself, what the heck did you do, Cindy? Why did you do that? And you know why? I think it's because entrepreneurship is extremely hard. It is. It's really, really difficult. I've always said that I do think I want to return to law at some point. Now, I think I would want to do it in a very different capacity. I don't know necessarily that I I would want to do commercial litigation, which is what I was doing before. I think I would want to maybe work in-house for like a consumer goods company because that's the experience that I kind of have. And the reason why it's not because, oh, I don't love what I'm doing. It's just because I do feel like I have some unfinished business there. I hear you. But also it's because I don't think life needs to be linear. But I believe instead that life has chapters. And this specific chapter that I'm in right now, I do believe is one where I should be growing my business, where I should be reaching out to people, where I should be doing that community work that I've always envisioned myself. Now, I'm not going to lie. People ask me, where do you see yourself a year from now, five years from now? Unlike before, I don't really have an answer now. You know, I don't. I kind of have been trying to embrace living in the moment versus just doing the whole checklist thing, which is honestly what I've done my whole life. I'm just trying to, for once, just live in the moment and appreciate where I am now. But it is hard. Honestly, Jen, like I walked away from a multiple six figure salary, you know, with healthy bonuses, very healthy bonuses. Okay. And a great firm with great clients and great people. That was hard. That was really, really hard for me. But I do know that it was not sustainable. I could not do both. I was starting to notice that I was cutting corners on my business because of course I could not cut corners on my job. And I didn't like that. I always say, I don't think I was honoring the purpose that God had placed on my heart. And because of that, I was like, I need to change something. You know, that's why I did what I did. And honestly, I've just kind of been taking it a day at a time and and embracing the season that I'm in right now. And yeah, but I'm not going to lie. You know, we're human. We're human. And so every so often I'm like, girl, what did you do? (laughs) Yeah. Entrepreneurship, like you said, is not. I was going to say entrepreneurship is not hard. It's not easy is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it's got its ebbs and flows. It's got your highs and your lows because I still to this day, I still sometimes question, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Even though I've been blessed and I've been very grateful for everything that has happened. Now you have a book coming out this month, in fact, on November 21st. So tell us, did you always want to write a book? I'm curious. So, you know, what's funny is that writing a book has always been like this deep, deep desire that I've had, but I have never said it out loud. Even I think to my husband, who is my best friend for all intents and purposes, like in every sense of the word, literally, I've known him for more than half of my life. I don't think I ever verbalized it because I never wanted to disappoint myself. 
for others by not being able to achieve that. And I always thought that it was too far-fetched of a dream to even, like, how dare I even say it out loud, which obviously looking back on, come on, Cindy, get over yourself, girl. Like, you should have said that out loud. You should have put it out there, you know? And so I always had this deep desire of writing a book because I wanted to package up really what I had learned and remove all the jargon, remove all those intimidating words, make it friendly, make it honest, and also make it reflective of my experience. Unfortunately, I mean, obviously, you know, there aren't many of us out there, right? There aren't many Latina personal finance authors. I mean, Jen, honestly, I remember when I was first talking to my publisher and I was trying to think of Latina personal finance authors, it was like you and like two others, I think, like literally. And like, I sent it to my publisher too. Like I included your book in this. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Grand list of like three And I was like, we need more of us. We need more of our stories out there. And we have good things to say. And I think that we have a way to really reach our communities. And so there is that opportunity there. I mean, there are, what, over 60 million Latinos in the United States? Like, how is it that we have probably less than a dozen books written by, like, our gente? Like, that's just not, Mm -hmm. not acceptable. I really wanted to package up what I had learned along with my story, along with my experience, along with the relatable examples, not just like boring talks on like the 401k, but really like, let me tell you about the time that I started my job as a lawyer and HR handed me these forms and I saw the letters and numbers 401k and I threw it into my drawers in my office and I didn't look at those papers for two years let me tell you about that time (laughs) I want to come at it from a very personal experience and then share how I kind of overcame those challenges of learning about money but importantly like how I implemented those lessons really in a tangible way and so that was the desire behind writing the book and the ultimate goal really is to teach people, but specifically our people about what it means to be financially literate, like truly, you know, what it means to be financially free. You know, I think a lot of times people think that financial freedom, oh, well, that just means like being a millionaire, right? And it's like, no, it means you being able to use money as a resource and a tool to fulfill your deep desires rather than having money control you. You know, you control the money. Don't let it control you. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm on board with that. And you've mentioned your intention of this book is where it's very relatable, where there's not a lot of jargon. So who would you say this book is for? And what do you think is the biggest lesson that one big lesson that we can walk away with? Yeah, I think that this book is for really anyone that is starting the journey or needs support on the journey, you know, because it really is that sort of like reference book. My goal would be that 
people that either purchase my book or are gifted my book, that they keep it in their library, right? That it be the book that still supports you even throughout the journey, that you read it at the outset, right? Like whether you're a student or an early career professional, amazing. You're just starting your journey, perfect. This book is for you. But if you are already kind of like, in your career, you have a general good idea of money and how to, let's say, quote unquote, correctly use it, etc. But you need some support, right? Like you don't quite remember what the best way to increase your credit score are. And you want to just reference quick strategies, or you want like a quick checklist when it comes to savings goals or increasing your income. You know, what was it that was said about negotiating your salary again? Like this is that book to support you throughout the life journey. And I think that we're all on a constant journey. Like I'm still on a journey. Like you're still on a journey. We're still on a journey. And so that's really who it's for. It's for, yes, the people that need that, where do I start? Like that need that book, but also the people that have started and are just kind of looking for that encouragement, but also like a true resource throughout the journey. Este episodio de Her Dinero Matters es traído a ustedes por McDonald's. Todos tenemos un McDonald's en nuestro barrio especial para nosotros. ¿Cuál es el tuyo? En mi casa tenemos muchos recuerdos de McDonald's con mis hijos, desde los Happy Meals y las fiestas de cumpleaños. Mis hijos ya son grandes y para mí, últimamente, se trata de pasar por el drive-thru, especialmente cuando estamos deprisa. No sé qué opinas tú, pero lo más importante para mí es recibir el pedido de la comida, que sea correcto, y seguir con mi vida. No creo que exijo mucho. Así que cuando el miembro del crew me preguntó que cómo estaba yo, me cogió de sorpresa. Lo que él no sabía era que había tenido un día de mucha locura. Y él fue el primero en preguntarme cómo estaba. Esta sencilla pregunta cambió el tono de mi día. McDonald's. Me encanta. I think as far as the big lesson that I would desire everyone that reads this book gets out of is that anyone, no matter your race, your religion, your sex, your background, anyone can achieve financial freedom. And I do firmly believe that. I do. Now, is it going to require a level of privilege? Absolutely. Because, for example, having access to the internet is a privilege, right? Absolutely. Having any sort of job is a privilege. Having the ability, like being able-bodied enough to work a job is a privilege. So will it require some level of privilege? Sure. Now, does it mean that you have to have all these things checked off? Absolutely not. You know, I do think that regardless of your life circumstance, you can achieve a level of financial freedom. But what that means you know, it's going to be based on you and your specific goals. So not everyone can work a traditional job. Maybe not everyone can do, let's say, hard manual labor for whatever reason. But maybe you can do a remote job. Maybe you're really good at like graphic design. And maybe you can increase your income in that way. I talk about that in the book a little bit, right? Of like kind of like virtual jobs that people can do that now we have the accessibility to now, of course, that's an example, right? of it is going to require a little bit of privilege, right? For example, access to the internet. 
but look at what you have available to you, no matter where you are in life and you make the best of it. And again, that is the end goal of financial freedom. And I do really hope that anyone that picks up the book sees that it is possible because if you think from the outset, well, that's just never going to happen to me. You're going to believe it. You're going to believe that you're going to believe that it's not accessible to you and that you won't ever achieve it. And then what's the point then, right? Like, what do you have to aim for? So that's why the book, it really does break things down in a very practical way that I hope people can see like, oh yeah, maybe I can go ahead and open up that bank account. I can go for it. I can start saving in a small way. I can start saving $20 a paycheck or maybe a hundred dollars a paycheck, right? Like depending on your circumstances, of course, but it's the small steps. It's those small steps that are important. And overall, the most important thing I think is taking what you learn and implementing it. You and I, we can talk for days, but if the listener isn't actually saying, you know what, I'm going to implement that thing that Jen said that one time, if they're not actually going out and doing it, you know, then unfortunately we're not going to see that growth. So the challenge is for our community really to just challenge themselves when it comes to growth, acknowledge that, yeah, it's not going to be easy at all. You know, for me as a daughter of immigrants, yeah, it's going to be a little hard because I am financially helping support my parents too. I'm not going to achieve certain levels of financial freedom, right? Maybe like more advanced ones like fire, financial independence, retire early, I probably won't reach that as quickly as some of my peers would because I'm thinking not just of myself, but I'm also thinking about my parents. But I know that I can achieve my level, right? And the same here because with us, we've got two boys. One's in college. So in college is, well, you know, (laughs) it's very very expensive and we just don't feel like it's right to give that burden to them. Yeah. So we are supporting that, which of course requires money, <laughs> which of course requires a balance of paying tuition and investing for retirement. So yes, I'm with you on that because that's our choice. We don't want to put that on them. Now, I'm curious, this would be more of a little behind the scenes of your book. Of course, as you've gone on this financial journey to pay off debt, you learned some lessons, right? You had some reflections, learned some lessons. But as you wrote the book, I'm curious to know if you experienced any new aha moments that you hadn't before, maybe just more clarification as to your journey and your growth. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest revelation as I was writing the book was how important community is. I've always thought that's important, but look, let's keep it real. Writing is lonely. Writing a book is lonely. And I think a lot of times, especially as women, you know, we're taught we can be independent. We can do it all. And I think that I always kind of bought into that too. And I think as I was writing the book, I think I gained a little bit more clarity on like, whoever is really there to support you will support you. It will be revealed. And I think that that also pushes you to want to write a better book because these are the people that you would love to read your words. The words that you're putting down on paper, 
it's this weird thing that I started going through. I remember at the very beginning, I was kind of like, oh, I'm in this by myself. I'm in this by myself. I was in my writing hole is what I told my husband. Right? I was like, my writing hole, like everyone leave me alone. Let me do my own thing. But then I started realizing that, you know, no man is an island type of thing that we need community. Like we're not meant to do life alone. And I think that a lot of times, especially me coming from a very, very high stress, very high demand type of career like law, where it's all about just, I don't want to say that it's selfish, but sometimes we kind of tell ourselves that we need to be selfish in this world. And I think kind of peeling away from that and being very conscious of leaning into community instead. And what I mean by that is, you know, your family, right? Your friends. For me, also fellow women in the personal finance space that I would text or email or, you know, in a way reach out to. And I think that coming out of the writing process, I've just seen the value so much more on community. And I don't mean to sound cheesy. I mean it because I don't think I would have been able to write the book I did without that. Yeah, and sometimes we just have to take a moment to give ourselves the permission to just lean on that community, lean on our network, lean on our friends and family because... Somos tan independientes a veces, you know, especially my mom. She's like, you are so stubborn. I'm like, I know. I didn't realize that till my adulthood. I also think it is, Jen, is, is as Latinas, I think we've found ourselves having to be independent and like forcing ourselves to be like very, like feminism means that we need to be strong. We don't need anyone. And yo puedo hacer esto sola. Like, yo lo puedo hacer. Yo lo puedo hacer todo. I can do everything. I do think we have to unlearn that a little bit. And I think that's what the writing process was for me a bit. I think it was a little bit of unlearning this kind of like, go, go, go. You are on your own with this. And a little bit more of, no, no one is meant to do life alone, you know? And so I think that's probably to be honest with you, one of the biggest things that has been revealed to me. And I'm grateful for it. I am because I think it helped make for a better book, but I think it's also going to help me further along on my journey with entrepreneurship to be a better business owner, to be a better educator, and to be also just a better coach too, when it comes to all things, you know, teaching my students, for example, personal finance. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Now, I'm also curious because your book is called Overcoming Debt, Achieving Financial Freedom, Eight Pillars to Build Wealth. Yes. And I've gotten a sneak peek and it's not like that 401k pamphlet that you threw down. You're like, I'm not sure what they're talking about. It's definitely something that you can pick up and read easily and understand and be engaged in the book. So I applaud you. Thank you. I am curious, what are you most proud of when it comes to this book? I think what I'm most proud of is being a translator for my community. Because it's a challenge. It's a challenge to take all this information from an industry that was never quite meant to serve us. <laughs> like the financial services industry was always meant to serve white men with property. Like that's just historically how our laws were written, how the financial services industry kind of came about to be. And I think that 
what I'm most proud of is daring to say, you know what? No, it doesn't need to be this way. We can have access to wealth and we deserve to have access to wealth unapologetically. So let me take all of this industry jargon and language and let me simplify it. And not because our community can't understand or anything like that. No, but because I want to break the barriers. We all don't go to school to study finance and accounting and economics. We don't all go to school to study that. So let me make learning about money accessible to everyone, to the social worker, the teacher, the artist, the actress. Let me just bring it more to the masses. And I think that being able to of course, share my story, but simply say, these are what I believe are eight pillars that you can implement in your own life. The end of the book, the last chapter actually has like a little checklist, right? For each of the pillars. So very simply, like if you've read the book, let's say twice already, right? Or whatever it may be. And you're like, wait, what was it again that Cindy said in the chapter all about like credit? And she was talking about credit cards too. Very simply, you can even just go to the checklist and just see if you've kind of got those things in check. Just a way to really empower our community and to make our community see that achieving financial freedom is possible. Absolutely. That is what I'm most proud of is being that translator and communicating it, I think in a way that people will find is very accessible. Like I hope when people read the book, their eyes just open wide and they're like, oh wait, this isn't that bad. You know, this isn't that bad. I can do this. I can do it, you know? Oh my goodness, that's beautiful. Cindy, I am so excited for you. I applaud you again once more for the book. I know I've seen you started following you. I think it was around the pandemic time, somewhere around there. And I've just seen you grow and blossom. And so this book, I'm just thrilled that you have written it and you're getting it out in the world. So thank you. I appreciate you being here and everything that you do for our community and for being that translator. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jen. I appreciate you. Cindy is such a force and I really love chatting with her and really over the past few years, I really have loved observing her growth, her involvement, everything that she has done. And it's really a testament when you see her community, how engaged not only she is and how well she connects with her community, which for me It means that the content that she is creating, that what she is teaching, what she is putting out there really resonates with those that are following her. You can connect with Cindy at zero-basebudget.com. That's zero-basebudget.com. Of course, that will be linked up in today's show notes. And also, do not forget to pick up a copy of her book. It's called Overcoming Debt, Achieving Financial freedom and she teaches eight pillars to build wealth. We will have a link to that in today's show notes. So again, go check that out and support a Latina author. I also encourage you to define your version of financial freedom and what that looks like for you. Yes, there are levels of financial freedom that you hear about, like FIRE, financial independence, retire early, or FI, 
financial independence. There are different levels you can strive for, but what will fulfill you and what makes sense for your household situation and for you? Keep doing what you're doing to grow your financial literacy. That's another thing. Keep doing that because that will help you become financially free. Something else that will help you become financially free is my daily Mireno ritual. The ritual will teach you what actions you need to take to make sure, and they're really simple actions. And these actions, they will help you have that money confidence, as well as it teaches you how to stay present to what is most important. And really, it helps you be aware of those limiting thoughts so you can quickly shift them to abundant ones. It is a free resource. You can grab it over at jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. That is jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. And as always, you can find the link in today's show notes. Next week, it will be Thanksgiving, El Dia de Acción de Gracias. I don't know if you celebrate in your household. I know we take the opportunity to gather as family and take some family time. Yes, possibly some turkey or not. Who knows? Maybe we'll just have pizza. I know. I'm feeling a little lazy about cooking (laughs) at the moment. But next week, we are sharing a replay with you. It is all about how to play bigger with your money. Thanksgiving is a time for family, but it also gives you that downtime to be thinking, to be planning. And this episode is a really good one for that downtime. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 330. That is jenhemphill.com forward slash 330. And remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Ciao.